Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. Man, I'm excited today. Today's Baptism Celebration Sunday, like Amanda said. Give it up for this whole group of people down here. Excited about that, man. Now, here, here's a cool thing. You know, we've got this baptism celebration. There's a bunch of people that have planned this for today, right? So there, there are 40 planned baptisms that are happening today. But we already, in the last service, between the two campuses, had 31. Like, we did not have 31 plans, right? So pretty awesome. Now, here's what I'd say with that. It, that means that there's some of you who came today that you didn't plan to get baptized. Like it wasn't on your calendar. You may be thinking about it. You may have been thinking about it for a while, but you didn't plan it for today. Here's the thing. You didn't have to plan it for today. It may be that God had it planned for you. And I think there are going to be some unplanned baptisms that happen in this service, in the service at Fred today that we're going to celebrate. They're going to be exciting. And so I want to ask every believer in here who's made that decision, every believer online who's made that decision, be praying for people in this room that haven't, that they might do that today. Now, if you're online, you're like, man, I wish I could get there and and do this. You can always schedule your baptism. But here's a really cool thing. There's a, a family named Brad and Barb Pfeiffer. They live in uh, Wyoming, they live in Casper, Wyoming, and so their kids moved down here in 2018, and so whenever they would come visit them and the grandkids, they would actually come to Rocky. And so they come to one of our campuses, they hang out and do that, and then COVID hit, and they began watching every Sunday online. Easter Sunday was their first Sunday back in the building. They heard we were having a baptism service, they jumped in, they signed up, and they're here to participate today. And so that is super cool. So if you're online, I just want you to know, man, we love engaging with our online family, and we'd love to see you make that decision and come join us sometime and and do that. Now, we've been in this series called Unbelievable. We've been talking about the resurrection since Easter, and we've been talking about what Jesus did for us when he died, when he was buried, but then when he rose from the dead. All of Christianity is built upon that event. Christianity is not built on the Bible. Christianity is not built upon the good deeds of Christian people. It is built upon an event that happened in history 2,000 years ago. Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Here's what we said. We said week one. We just said, man, if the resurrection isn't true, then what are we here for? Like, why are we actually here in church? Because if there's no resurrection, there's no faith. If there's no resurrection, there's no Christianity. And so we gave, the next week, we gave four proofs for the resurrection. How can you actually believe that it's true? And we talked about it. If you still have questions or you didn't see that message, I'd encourage you to go back and to watch that. And then we talked about this idea how if the resurrection is true, then it causes us to really center in on Jesus and understand that Jesus separated himself. He separated Christianity from all other religions in the world by saying, I'm the only way. Like, I'm the only way to salvation. I'm the only way back to the Father. I'm the only way to get your sins forgiven. I am the only way. He said that in John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if that's true, it really leads down to a place where last week we gave people an opportunity to choose that way. So I'm on the stage at Fred, led our online campus, led this campus, led the Frederick campus through a prayer and just an opportunity for people to say, man, I place my faith in Jesus. And here's what we believe around this place. We believe the most important decision you could ever make 
Like the most life-changing decision you could ever make if the resurrection is true is to place your faith in Jesus and be saved. Like that is the most important decision that you could make. Now here's the thing. When you look through the New Testament, those people who believed in Jesus, who believed in the resurrection, who placed their faith in Jesus and prayed a prayer of commitment and asked Jesus to forgive their sins, part of their response Part of their response was then to be baptized. And we'll talk about what the picture of the resurrection looks like, like what the picture of baptism actually represents. But those who people who place their faith in Jesus were baptized. And so my hope is today that as you look at the New Testament, you think through the things we've talked about, you understand that every baptism or every person who responded to Jesus in the New Testament, there was two things in common. One was this. First, they believed in Jesus. They're like, I believe he's the son of God. I believe he is the Messiah. And then second, what happened is because they placed their faith in Jesus and because he gave them their, his grace, then what they did is they responded and they were immersed in water for baptism. Now we'll look at that in a second, but here's my hope. My hope is that if you're a believer out there or if you want to be a believer and you never responded to Jesus and followed his example and been baptized, I hope you'll actually do that today. Now, you might be sitting there, you might say, Wait, Sean, what? why? Like, okay, I understand placing my faith in Jesus. I believe in the resurrection. I believe Jesus is who he says he is. But why would I get baptized? Like, why does the church make such a big deal about baptism? Why do they make a big deal about being dunked in water? Well, it's a simple answer. Like, we believe around this place that when a guy predicts his own death and resurrection and pulls it off, you kind of just do what that guy says, right? And that guy, Jesus, throughout the New Testament, even when he started his ministry, when he ended his ministry, what he said is everyone who believes in me, I want you to make this decision and I want you to follow my example and to be baptized. Like Jesus did, why did Jesus get baptized? The reason Jesus got baptized was to set an example for everyone who would come after him. I've got four kids, ranging from 17 down to nine. There's a whole lot of things that I do to try to set example for them. Now, I'm not perfect on that at all. Mess up all the time. They could tell you a million stories. But with my nine-year-old, when we walk up to the door and his sisters and mom are, are trailing behind us, man, we grab that door. We open the door for the ladies and I set the example. And then I start saying, guys, what are you doing? Get that door. We talked about being polite, saying thank you. To, and the reason I do those things is because I should do those things, but the reason I do those things is to set an example for those coming behind me. And what Jesus did is Jesus set an example. We're gonna look at it in a minute by first being baptized to show us this is what I want you to do. So let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at his example, see why it's important, and see what God calls us to do today. Matthew chapter three. So it's the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And so Jesus, there's a guy named John the Baptist that Jesus was related to. He gets involved in this story. It starts off in verse one. Here's what it says. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah, so he's talking 700 years ago, this prophet Isaiah wrote these things down and said these things. He says, the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, 
He, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. So if you know who John the Baptist was, you realize he's a cousin of Jesus. Like they're related. So Elizabeth was Jesus' aunt. That's John the Baptist's mother. So John the Baptist, he was born in the Christmas story. Kind of entangled that, Zachariah and Elizabeth. But he grows up to be this fantastic speaker. Like he was, he was a powerful, passionate preacher for the gospel. And he's called a prophet. And now he was a different kind of prophet. Like he didn't wear the usual preacher clothes. He didn't eat the usual preacher food. He didn't say the usual preacher things. Here's what it says about him. It says in verse four, it says, John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. I mean, this dude is weird, right? I mean, he's a little eccentric out there, but he's passionate. And all this craziness about him with this passionate message drew people out of Jerusalem and the countryside to come hear him. It says people from Jerusalem and all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and to hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now, how many of you just heard that and just freaked out, ready to pull out, like ready to post something controversial on Facebook or social media because you heard that? You're going like, what are you talking about? Every Jewish person 2,000 years ago in that culture saw what John was doing was like, whoa, holy cow, look at this. This is crazy. Like what John the Baptist was doing right here was incredibly controversial. Here's why. John was preaching a message of repentance. There's nothing bad about that. That's what Jesus said his message was, was repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. John was saying the same thing. But when he came in and he said repent, he was basically saying turn away from your old ways and turn toward something new and something better. That's what repentance is. But what John was doing is, is there was this thing called proselyte baptism. So understand, proselyte baptism was for a person who was not a Jew. They worshiped a different God. They're part of a pagan religion. But they looked at the Jewish practices, which were so far ahead, like just as far as civilization and just being civil, all those things, so far ahead of the other countries, they said, man, this God of the Jews, I kind of want to follow him. So how do I become a Jew? How do I convert to Judaism? Well, there was a process in the law. So if you wanted to be a proselyte, which was to go from a pagan religion to the Jewish religion, you'd go through this process. You would declare your belief in the God of the Jews. Once you declared your, your belief in the God of the Jews, you would go to the temple. You would come into the temple, you would go to the priest, you would confess your sins to the priest. And just like Jews would do because of the law, then you would make a sacrifice. The priest would help you, you would sacrifice a lamb, to ask for forgiveness of your sins. And then you would go and you would baptize yourself. Now, that sounds a little weird, but what does that mean? You would go down to a river, you would fully submerge yourself into the river, you would come out of the river or to the lake or to whatever it was, a body of water, and you would come out and it was this picture of a death to the old life and being raised to something new. Now, that doesn't sound very controversial. I mean, it's part of the law. It was part of what was happening. And you understand that the Jewish people understood this because there was even language that was centered around this kind of rebirth, being reborn. And so in John chapter 3, Jesus runs into this Pharisee who comes under cover of night and comes to Jesus and he says, man, I believe in you, 
but what should I do? I'm stuck between the law and being this religious leader and this new thing you're talking about. And Jesus says, you need to be born again. Born of the water and born of the Spirit. And what he was talking about was this Jewish proselyte baptism. But here's the catch. The reason it's so controversial is because all the religious leaders were coming out to see John. Wow, that was cool. If you're watching online, we just had a whole bunch of thunder right there. That was really, I mean, you should listen to this message. That's God saying, like, <laughs> do something here, right? So, so John, all these people are coming to John, even the religious leaders, and John is preaching this proselyte baptism. And what you think when you're looking at the crowd, you're going, man, there's a bunch of pagans out there, a bunch of Greeks and a bunch of Romans and a bunch of this and that. No. The reason it's so controversial is because John was preaching Jewish proselyte baptism to Jewish people. And everybody was like, whoa, what's up, man? We're part of Abraham's family tree. Like, we're all good. If we're part of his bloodline and we just go to the temple and we sacrifice for our sins every week and we do this and that, we are all in. And he was saying, no, you're all about rules. You're about the family tree. You have no relationship with God. Or you had a relationship with God. He's like, man, you guys grew up in church. You went to Sunday school. You know the stories. You did all that. But somewhere it became just kind of a religion and you went away from relationship and you did a whole lot of other things and you've just lost connection with God. And what John was saying is John was saying to these people, instead of being a weekend warrior, you need to get back into your relationship with God. You can know all kinds of stuff, but this is about heart. This is about leaning into who God is. It's about not just obeying the rules, but it's about knowing God as your father and as your savior and living to please him. And so John's saying, hey, repent and get baptized. And there's a whole lot of people out there that are like, you're so right. Like I'm off track and I need to. And so a bunch of those people jumped in and John just, he dunked them, he baptized them. It was a picture of the old being gone and the new coming. And you might be sitting there today, and you might say, yeah, I grew up in church. Man, I know all the stories, I know all the stuff, but I have been distant from God. And today might be the day that you need to jump back in. You may have been baptized already, and I'm not saying you need to be baptized again. We had a lady in the first service sitting in the second row. It was like, I've had some stuff going on in my life. I was baptized a long time ago. I believed it. I meant it. But I need a marker moment. And so Robin got up, and I had the privilege of baptizing her. You may be sitting there today and you say, I just need to pray. I just need to recommit. You may say, I need to do the same thing she did. But for every one of us, what we are being called to is less rules and more relationship. And John calls out the people. In the middle of calling out these people, all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Matthew chapter 3, starting verse 13, it says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. It was a 60-mile walk. 60-mile walk from Galilee to the Jordan River where John was for him to be baptized. And it says, but John tried to talk him out of it. Like, I, I don't know about you. I didn't talk any, try to talk anybody out of getting baptized today. But all of a sudden, John's talking to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, hold up. I, I don't think we should do this today. He says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? Why John try to talk Jesus out of it? Because John's message has always been that his message was to prepare the way for the Lord. 
Like he was not the focal point. He was the one saying, there's one greater than me. There's one I'm not even, I'm not even worthy of bending down and untying his sandals. He's going to come. He will be the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John looks at Jesus and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How about we flip this thing around? How about you baptize me? That'd be really cool. And Jesus looks at him and he says, John, no, no. No, no, there's a reason for this. Like, there's a reason for this. And he goes on and says, Jesus said, it should be done. It should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. John was saying, Jesus, why would, why would I baptize you? Like, you, you have no sin in your life. You, you're perfect. You, you have been living this life we've been talked about. You're, you're God himself. Why would I baptize you? And Jesus is looking at John and saying, John, you're right. I, I am sinless. I am divine. I am God in the flesh. But I'm doing this like we must do this to fulfill what God requires. What was he saying there? He's saying we must do this so I the one who comes first, the one who sets the example, the one who is qualified, the one who is uniquely qualified to go to the cross, to die, to be buried in a tomb, and then to be raised back to life. That is the event that puts the exclamation point on the cross. The resurrection affirms the cross. It's the one in which we say, if he rose from the dead, it's true. Jesus was saying, I'm doing this to set an example for all believers who would choose me, who would come after me. Examples are meant to be followed. And so my question to you online, my question to you sitting in this room, my question to the people sitting at the Frederick campus right now would be this, is have you followed his example? Have you followed his example of what Jesus says this should be done? It goes on in verse 16, it says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. So the picture is this. John, Jesus walks down into the water and says, John, let's do this. They have the discussion and John finally consents and he says, okay, let's do this. And he takes Jesus, the one who will go to the cross, who will be buried and then will be resurrected again and he buries him. He takes him and he buries him underneath the water just like Jesus will die for our sins, future from this point, die for our sins and then be buried in a tomb. And then John raises him up out of the water just like the resurrection, a picture of the resurrection for new life. And just like Jewish proselyte baptism that John was doing, just like Jewish proselyte baptism was a moving away from the old, a death of the old, and becoming alive to the new, Christian baptism is the same picture. Does baptism save you? No. But it's a marker moment. Like it is a marker moment for you. You see, for us in our lives, Christian baptism, why? Why do we do that? Because, because the death, the burial, and resurrection is such a beautiful picture. It is such an important picture to Jesus. It is a moment that is a reminder every single Sunday, almost, I have a baptism around here almost every Sunday, is a reminder to us of what Jesus did at the cross, at the burial, and at the resurrection. And you see, we have so much sin in our lives. 
that what God is saying to us is we need to repent of that sin. We need to place our faith in Jesus. And many of you did that last week. I was at the 915 at the Frederick campus and I said, hey, pray this prayer for me. And I could hear as I prayed murmurs across the entire place of people praying that prayer. If we pray that prayer and place our faith in Jesus, what God is saying is, man, you place your faith in me, you are saved. But in the New Testament, what we see is every person who responded to that gift of salvation, that gift of grace, they marked the moment immediately, not two years later. Like all nine different places in the book of Acts that you see someone placing their faith, making a declaration of faith in Jesus, you see that they didn't schedule their baptism. They're like, there's water. Let's do it now. That's what they did. The picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. In Romans chapter six, verse four, here's what it says. It says, we were there, here's the picture. It says that we were therefore buried with him, Jesus, through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Every time. Every time we see a person baptized, it is a dramatic reenactment of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's why you see that those words. It says that John baptized him, the word was immersed or dunked. It's the idea of they immersed him in the water. It's the picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So here's the thing. You place your faith in Jesus, one of the responses that you have, there's repentance, there's change. There's confessing Jesus as your savior. But if the resurrection is true, and the resurrection is the most important event in history, then what Jesus says, it says, let's reenact that every time a person places their faith in Jesus. So Jesus not only sets the example, but Jesus also commands it to be done. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, we said Jesus started his ministry with baptism. He ends his ministry as he's getting ready to go up into heaven. The last thing we have recorded of him actually saying to the disciples is the Great Commission. It says this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So here's my thing. If baptism was important to Jesus, then I think baptism should be important, not I think, baptism should be important to every single person who wants to follow him. And here's the thing, I don't understand why any person that wants to be a disciple, wants to be a follower, that believes in the resurrection, that believes in Jesus, would not want to be baptized. Like, If it really comes down to it, what you have to ask, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? If he is, let's do this. If you're saying, I don't want to follow what he says, you might have to ask the question, well, is he actually my Lord and Savior? Now, some of you might be saying, Sean, that's a little harsh, man. I've got all kinds of questions, and questions like I was baptized as a baby, and what does that mean, and this and that. When should I be baptized? How should I be baptized? There's all kinds of questions. I don't think the question should be if. I think we see in scripture that Jesus commanded it. Jesus set the example for it. He did it first. He said, I do this because this is what God wants. This is the picture. This is the reenactment. This is the picture of the resurrection. 
I don't think the question is if. I think the question might be for you, when? Like, when should I be baptized? And I, I think that's a great question, and I think there's a really, really easy a- answer. If you go through nine different places in the book of Acts, and understand the book of Acts is a book of history. You want to know how the church started? You want to know how they did things in church? You want to know what was important that they taught in church? The very first New Testament church the disciples started? Look at the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, there are nine different places where someone places their faith in Jesus and is baptized. And here's the thing. Acts chapter 8 verse 13 almost gives you just kind of the process here. And it's really simple. One sentence says, Simon himself, so Simon was a sorcerer who became a Christian, says Simon himself believed and was baptized. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Notice the process. First there's belief and then there was baptism. Like in the New Testament, kind of the formula that goes through is first people place their faith, they received God's gift of salvation, what happened immediately after they were baptized. And to be honest, and to be really straight and direct, that's why we here at Rocky don't baptize babies. We have a dedication service for parents. We have a dedication service for for babies that is meaningful and that is biblical, but there's not one example in the Bible of anyone who was baptized that did not believe. And when you look at a baby, a baby cannot do that. They cannot, at that age, make that kind of decision, survey the facts, and say, yes, I believe in the resurrection. Now, here's the thing, though. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, hey, I I was baptized as a baby. Man, that's, um, that's awesome. It's awesome that your parents chose that for you. That's a huge part of your story. It'll always be a part of your story. And just because I talk about this today doesn't mean that I'm wiping out that part of your story. Man, thank God that your parents loved you enough to make decisions for you at that, even that age, to set you in the right direction. But here's the thing. Now you know what the Bible says and how that a person would believe, and after they believe, they immediately would be baptized What's the decision that should be made today? Man, not discounting anything. And you may want to talk more, but here's what I'd say. Man, if you really see what Jesus is saying, if we really believe in the resurrection, why not? It's not a question of if, it's more a question of when. And if you believe in Jesus, why not? You might look still and you might say, Sean, what? Still, why is this so important? There was always in Scripture a really important thing to God that people would declare their belief before other people. That they would declare their belief. It even said in Scripture, man, if you're not ashamed of me, I will not be ashamed of you. God says, I will show up for you. I will be there for you. He says, do not be ashamed of me. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, Paul says, I am unashamed of the gospel. And what people would do is they would declare their faith and then they would back that up with a sign saying, I am all in. Give you an example. 22 years ago, I walked down the aisle with my wife. We planned this elaborate wedding ceremony and you know, our parents had done all this stuff. They paid for a bunch and, and we walked in there on November 22nd and we walked down the aisle and there was all the decorations and there was an auditorium. This side has a bunch of people in it and we walked down in front of everybody because of our love for each other and we made statements, we made vows to say, I'm with you for the rest of my life. 
Then we took these little things called rings and we put them on our fingers to say, this marks me, then I'm with you for the rest of my life. John's standing out there in the Jordan River and he's going, if you want to have this be a marker moment, then you mark this moment with baptism. You confess Jesus as your savior. You pray and ask him to be the forgiver and leader of your life. And you mark it. Confession, confessing Jesus as our savior is like those vows. Baptism's like that ring where you're saying, I am in. I want to give you, I want to give every one of you that opportunity before baptism, but an opportunity just to confess Jesus as your Savior. To make that bold prayer and just say, man, I, I believe. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and I want him to be the leader and forgiver of my life. And so here's what we're going to do. I just want to ask every one of you, if you're in the room or you're out of the room, you're in your living room, you're in your PJs, I don't care. I want everybody just to stand up right now. Yeah, stand up. If you want to make that decision, if you've been saying, man, I, I do believe, and we stand because we stand for the things we believe in, I want to encourage you right now that we'd all just bow our heads, and I want to encourage you right now to pray this prayer. I'll lead, it, I'll lead you through it. You can say it out loud. You can say it quietly if you want. But if you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you want to know your sins are forgiven, if you want him to be the leader of your life, you pray this right now. Heavenly Father, right now, I commit my life to you. Father, I I humbly ask you for the gift of eternal life that Jesus paid for on the cross. Right now at this moment, I'm putting my trust in him and him alone. Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner and I'm at a turning point and I am willing to change. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to be the leader of my life. I give you my life. Use it any way that you choose. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Now here's what I know. There's some of you sitting here right now and you say, I've already been baptized. And I really meant it when I did, but I have slid away from God. I want to give you a chance right now to make a bold decision right now to bow your heads and close your eyes and pray a prayer to say, God, I'm, I don't know what the next step looks like, but I, this is a moment that I'm marking to get back. And why don't we right now just, just close our eyes. And if you need to pray that prayer, I'll even lead you through that one. Why don't you just say, Father, thank you for being so patient with me and waiting for the day that I would come back to you. Today is my turning point. So I ask that through the power of the Holy Spirit that you'd help me change the direction of my life. Over time, Lord, please transform the way I think, transform the way I love, and transform the way I live. I ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You got a whole bunch of kids over here to watch some other teams that are getting baptized. You got a whole bunch of people right down here that are getting baptized. And you got a whole bunch of people out here that probably should. <laughs> Today might be the day. And you're sitting here and you're just saying, I, Sean, I don't know, man. It's kind of inconvenient. Well, guess what? Jesus walked 60 miles because baptism was so important to him. So I'd say this. That's what Jesus thought about inconvenience, right? So I'm like, Sean, I, I didn't plan for this. Like, this isn't on my calendar. Well, I said it earlier. It may not have been on your calendar. It may be on God's calendar. 
Some of you are like, Sean, I, I didn't bring the right clothes, man. I might have to get baptized in my clothes. Well, here's the deal. It's, well, it was 85 out. Now it's just raining. You'll get wet anyways, right? So just get baptized, right? Now, here's the thing. You might be like, I wore a white shirt. And it's, I, didn't, I got a whole bunch of bark, dark t-shirts of all different sizes back there that you can take home with you. Some of you guys, man, big football player guys out there, man, I don't know if anybody can handle me in there. Well, we've only lost four people in the history of Rocky in baptism. <laughs> no, we haven't, man. Everybody's lighting the water. Let's do this. Like, why would we wait? If we believe in Jesus, man, if Jesus would have been like, I don't, this cross thing, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to put any pressure, and I don't want you to do anything that you aren't ready to do. But if you are ready, like if you're saying today is the day, Here's the thing, we had 40 scheduled, we already had 31. There's already some going on at the Frederick campus right now. I'm gonna pray for you right now. I'm gonna go change my clothes. There's a whole bunch of people that are gonna start getting baptized right now. Why don't you come join them? And those of you who have been, and you pray for those who need to make that decision, you celebrate like crazy for the ones who are. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for the people online today. Some of them are just saying, man, I wanna come do this. Father, help them to reach out to us and say, this week, next Sunday, Whatever it is, we want to do this. Father, I pray that there'll be nobody that will be held back from making that decision. Father, as we celebrate today, help us to remember that it's because of our faith that you give us grace. Baptism is a beautiful marker moment. So help us mark these moments as we celebrate and praise you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. And we thank you for what we're about to see. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.